Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by our guest analyst Ephraim Tagu again. He's my colleague at Star FM here in Zimbabwe. Welcome back to the show, Ephraim. Uh, great to be on the show today. Good to have you with us. Stuart Weir's on holiday, by the way. He'll be back with us on the show next week. This week, we have the second part of our interview with the 1997 African Footballer of the Year, Victor Ikpeba of Nigeria. And we ask whether it works if you pray for victory. Ikpeba says that while he does pray in private, he didn't pray for victory ahead of a match unless it was the whole team praying together. Often we do have fans and players of both teams praying to win in a match. So is it helpful to pray for success before a game? And does God mind who wins a football match or any sporting contest indeed? Will it help if you place the situation into God's hands? But I believe that we, we do these prayers sometimes, you know, for luck, not to be injured. But at the end, uh, in the end of the day, you still need to fight, you need to work hard to be successful. More from Victor Ikpeba later. Also, we talk about Barcelona's amazing 16-year-old talent Ansu Fati and the goal-scoring exploits of Arsenal's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Well, it's another busy weekend in African football with the first legs of the final qualifying round for the 2020 CHAN, the African Nations Championship. The second legs are on next month. This will determine which 15 countries will join the host Cameroon next year. Here in Harare, Zimbabwe take on Lesotho. Uh, Picking out a few other fixtures, the 2014 champions Libya play Tunisia, Senegal take on Guinea, it's Nigeria, Togo and Burundi up against Uganda. Uh, Just a few of the fixtures to look forward to this weekend in the tournament that is for the home base players only. Now the soap opera around the 2019 CAF Champions League continues as Moroccan club Widad Casablanca say that they will return to the Court of Arbitration for Sport over May's final. On Sunday, the Confederation of African Football's Appeal Board ruled that Tunisia's Esperance won the title. Just to recap, in the second leg of the Champions League final, Widad Casablanca refused to continue playing after the video assistant referee was unavailable to judge a disallowed equaliser. The VAR had been set up on the side of the pitch, but the players hadn't been told that it wasn't working, although officials were aware of this. The referee then awarded the victory to Esperance, who were leading 2-1 on aggregate. CAF, though, ordered a replay. Uh, both sides then went to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to lodge complaints. The court's first ruling last month said that CAF's executive committee didn't have the jurisdiction to order that the final be replayed. So CAF then referred the matter to their disciplinary committee, which has ruled that Esperance are the champions. But Widad Casablanca president Said Nasiri says, we will defend our rights until the end. This one seems to be never-ending, Ida. Well, it's become rather farcical because when the Widad president, uh, Said Nasiri, says that they are now going to go back to the court of arbitration for sports, Steve, then, you know, first thing is first didn't both parties already go through that process? And secondly, the court, as far as many are concerned, facilitated it as far as it possibly could. So when Widad start talking about, you know, they have to defend the rights uh, all the way to the very end, it does beg the question, what rights? Because if you ask me, the mistake that Widad did 
that has proven very costly was have its players walk off the pitch in protest. Because if you remember, the referee did ask them to resume the match. Then there was a lot of milling about the pitch for almost about, you know, an hour and a half. That's almost a full 90 minutes before the ref finally whistled for the end of the match. So in a way, Steve, if you look at it, then didn't we dad forfeit the match? Furthermore, Steve, another nail to Widad's coffin is that when the match was stopped, Widad were trailing 1-0 in the second leg. And uh, don't forget that the first leg had ended 1-1, so they were trailing 2-1 on aggregate. There are other consequences to this because don't forget that the Confederation of African Football, CAF, technically can't pay out Esperance's prize money of $2.5 million if this case is still ongoing. So, you know, there's a saying, you know, about doing the same thing and expecting different results because all this is just ultimately proving, Steve, to be a waste of time and resources. Yeah, surely. Uh, I don't know, maybe just playing those remaining minutes in a replay would have been fair, but uh, it's a very contentious issue. But I'm not sure that Widad will achieve anything at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Well, do stay with us, Ida. Now to part two of our interview with the 1997 African Footballer of the Year. That's Victor Igpeba of Nigeria. Igpeba played as a striker and spent six seasons with Monaco in France and three seasons in Germany at Borussia Dortmund. He won the 1994 Africa Cup of Nations with the Super Eagles and Olympic gold in 1996. Two weeks ago, we heard about his career. This week, about his faith and the issue of how effective it is to pray for victory before a match. Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Igpeba. I believe in God. I'm I'm a Christian. Uh, But I believe that we we do these prayers sometimes, you know, for luck, not to be injured. But at the end end of the day, you still need to fight, need to work hard to be successful. If Nigeria is praying, Ghana is playing. So we we believe in one God. But at the end of the day, I think... uh, with a little bit of luck and hard work, you can be successful. You know. Nothing come out successful without hard work. Mm. So there was a religion. Sometimes I, I always believe that religion has nothing to do with sports sometimes. But just because it's our belief, we have to do that. But you still, add, you still need to go out there and compete. And the only way to be successful, you have to compete. Do you have your own suspicion when you are playing? Do you have superstition? Yes, I do. I do. I do. Sometimes when I was playing, when I was not scoring with the same boot, I would try to change the boot and wear <laughs> a new boot to see if I can start scoring again. You know, I have superstition sometimes. Sometimes, but uh, that is the beauty of the game. You can, uh, you, we, we, if you focus so much on that, the religious part of it can be a little bit dangerous, a little bit, you know. But I wake up as a Christian. It doesn't have to do with football. I do my prayers every day, every morning when I wake up. And uh, whenever I have the game, sometimes I pray, sometimes I don't pray. We pray collectively too, sometimes when we play with the national team. But one thing I do every day before I... When I wake up, I pray to God. If I go to bed, I pray to God. I've never changed that uh, that uh, routine in my life, all my life, you know. Finally, do you have a favorite scriptures, like maybe one that you like from the Bible? No, no, I do. I love, I love Psalm 23, Psalm 121, Psalm 92. Those are my favorite Psalm. I read a lot. Uh, as a child, I read the Bible. I read the Bible a lot. So, so those are the, the, the commandments of Moses and all those things do guide, guide us. We know we are not perfect. We make mistakes sometimes. We are all sinners of God. So we just continue to try to be a better human being, support one another, and 
what we are lacking in this part of the world now in Nigeria that there's not really much love around anymore. So I just want to appeal to we Nigerians. We are great people. We have to show love. Forget about whether you're an Igbo man or Yoruba man or Osama man or a Delta Maido. If we all come together, we can make this country a very beautiful country, you know. But we must show love for one another, you know. That's the 1997 African Footballer of the Year, Victor Ikpeba of Nigeria. His clubs included Monaco in France and Borussia Dortmund in Germany. He's speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji. He mentioned their Psalm 23. That's the very famous psalm in the Bible that says, The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, so he poses a very interesting question there. Does God mind who wins a football match or indeed any sporting contest? Our guest analyst this week is uh, my colleague at Star FM here in Harare. That's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, as well as being one of Zimbabwe's leading sportscasters, he's also doing his second year of Bible college, so he's a theology student too. Uh, so, Ephraim, uh, many players and teams do pray to God for success before a match, but um, what effect would you say it has? Well, when we go back to the original prayer, which is the Our Father, uh, God is concerned about his kingdom and um, he does mind who wins, lose or draws a match as long as it brings glory to his kingdom. Uh, But the tricky part is he then answers these prayers according to his will. And uh, sometimes he wants to bring out a bigger picture that you and I might not perceive at that particular moment, uh, but it is all according to his purpose. And I see no problem at all with uh, people praying praying before games and praying for, for victory. Uh, that's just part and parcel of, of being Christians, and that's just part and parcel of uh, uh, the Christian way to do life. We pray about everything. So let's say if Brazil are playing Nigeria, two countries with big populations and a lot of people uh, with their faith, if they're all praying passionately on both sides, uh, what's going to happen? Well, then we have to consider why we are praying in the first place. We have to consider so many things. We are taught about uh, the fruits of the Spirit, nine of them in Colossians, uh, spreading the love. I like what Dick Peba says about spreading the love. We have to act in a, in a Christian way uh, whilst we are at it. And as fans as well, even though you, you want to, to win, one of the fruits of the Spirit is also patience, which is long-suffering. So sometimes you have to endure and not winning that match and you have to have an attitude towards uh, the way you play against your competitors as well. Your attitude matters and also kindness and gentleness are also uh, some of uh, the fruits of the Spirit and how you conduct yourself on the field of play. You know, self-control is also another fruit of the Spirit. Uh, That's also something that you need to consider. Uh, So as believers or followers of Jesus, it's not about winning the game. You have to take away that self-esteem that comes with with winning and just uh, focus on being Christ-like. Okay, let's uh, get more views from you shortly, Ephraim. But let's go back to Nairobi in Kenya. Uh, Ida Waringa is with us there. Uh, what do you make of this one, uh, Ida? Does God mind who wins a football match or any sporting contest uh, for that matter? Well, Ikpeba certainly raises a very interesting point, Steve, because, for example, in a game, you can imagine, let's say it's um, Nigeria versus Ghana. And as he said, Nigeria is praying and Ghana is also praying. (laughs) In essence, you do have to ask yourself, who does he answer between the two teams? (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, I do think that a lot of the times that when players do this, it's usually for their own spirituality. Um, oftentimes you find that it has a calming effect to some of the nerves that players go through and it does ultimately help them to become better people. So if it's all positive, then why not? You know, if we look at some of the more notable African footballers, the likes of uh, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane, for example, who are both known to be deeply, deeply religious. And we have seen them score goals and then celebrate by taking prayer stances, you know, in form of celebration. So that that can help you see um, just how religion plays an important part, not just in their sport, but in their lives. If in the end game, no pun intended, Steve, but if the end game is just about making the person a better version of themselves, you know, have them perform more, improve, then why not? You know, and yes, I do agree with Victor again there because Despite it being a lot of hard work, a lot of preparation, there's also a whole lot of luck that's needed in these situations and especially um, the big, big crucial games, you know. So it's a combination of several variables, you know, preparation, hard work, luck and God for some of these players, which I think happens to be very, very important. Well, thanks a lot for those views, Ida. It's a very interesting question, this one for sure. Ephraim Tagu with us, our guest analyst uh, here in Harare. So if you are going to pray before a match, what should you pray for, do you think? Is it more than just praying to win? It's definitely more than just uh, praying uh, to win, Steve. You pray uh, to make sure that um, you reflect the light of uh, Jesus Christ in whatever you're doing on the field of play. Now, right now, we've got a lot of things that are happening in football. We've got racism happening in, in football. And you also pray uh, against that so that you are not the one seen uh, in the fault, but uh, you are the one who's bringing out uh, the goodness of uh, of the Lord on the field of play. And we also have women in the game. And uh, how you treat the, the women in the game, be it their referees or officials, also needs to be seen as you go about the way you play your game in a Christ-like way. So these are the things that you should pray about. And also, I like Ikpeba talking about praying to stay healthy and also praying to win. But winning the contest should not be the primary reason that you pray when you go onto the field of play. Fans are also watching you. There's a, there's a way that you should conduct yourself as a as a public figure or as someone who is very influential in a team as a captain. And and, and your teammates as well are watching you. Are you gracious in defeat? How do you conduct yourself on that field of play? Those are so many things that, that need to be seen as you go about uh, your football business on the field of play. So primarily, you shouldn't pray just about winning, but also bringing out the glory of God. And also failure in our eyes may not be failure in God's eyes. Sometimes God wants to teach us some things in the disappointment, in the hardships, in the trials and tribulations. Maybe something needs to be brought out. That's why you need to endure some of these things that you go through whilst you are on the field of play. And ultimately, we need to leave everything in God's hands. He knows the bigger picture and he knows that maybe this year is not your year. Maybe next year is not your year, but you will win in years to come. And maybe your biggest victory is found in your failure rather than in the victory. 
And these are lessons not just uh, for uh, the footballers or the coaches or the elite athletes uh, to take into consideration. These are also life teachings that the uh, Bible teaches us uh, because that is how we are supposed to do life. And we need to make sure that we leave everything in God's hands because ultimately he's the creator and he's the one who is in control. And because he loves you and he loves me and he loves your opponent as well and everyone around you, just leave it in his hands and in good time you will reap the fruits yeah and sport can certainly teach us a lot of things about life in general we'd love to hear your thoughts on this on social media this week what do you think does it work if you pray for victory you heard there the thoughts of victor ikpeba of nigeria he says he does pray in private but uh, as a player he didn't pray for victory ahead of a match normally unless it was the whole team praying together Uh, we do have fans and players of both teams uh, praying to win on both sides sometimes so is it helpful to pray for success before or a match does God mind who wins a football match or any sporting contest and will it help if you place the situation into God's hands you can go to our Facebook page that's Planet Sport Football Africa and post a comment there or you can send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, now we turn to social media. And as a record four-time African Player of the Year, Samuel Eto'o announced the end of his 22-year-long playing career, fans are debating whether he's the greatest African player of all time. The Cameroon legend won two Nations Cups and the UEFA Champions League three times, twice with Barcelona and once with Inter Milan. He's the highest goal scorer ever at the Africa Cup of Nations, a total of 18 goals. So we asked, where do you rank Eto among Africa's greatest? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard with some of your comments. Well, thanks in, Steve. And plaudits for Samuel Eto have been coming in from not only across the continent this week, but also from across the world. We start on WhatsApp with Malang Sambu, who's in Italy. And Malang says, actually, I will term Samuel Eto as the greatest player Africa has ever produced. Due to his achievements in the African Cup of Nations, the European Champions League and the other European leagues he's played in, there's no doubt that he is still the greatest player ever in Africa. We go across to Ghana now and here's Daniel. Well, Eto is undoubtedly one of the greatest in the world, says Daniel. Look at his performance in the 2009 Champions League final for Barcelona against Manchester United. He was clinical. I will rank him among the top 15 greatest football attackers ever and a real footballing hero. And Dan Ogega in Kenya agrees. He is up there with other African greats like Rabba Maja, Didier Drogba, Abadi Pele, George Weah and Roger Miller, says Dan. His staggering statistics speak for themselves and he was literally unplayable during his peak at Barcelona. I wish him a happy retirement. Dela Akafia in Ghana says Samuel Eto'o is a legend in African football history. He is indeed the greatest and we must celebrate him just as he deserves. Across the world, the Brazilian great Pelé is still celebrated for his records and likewise Eto'o must also be celebrated. But Medlove in The Gambia is not convinced that Eto'o is Africa's greatest ever. 
I think Eto was the best player of his day, says Medlove, but before him there were others, like Roger Miller, who were also great players. Duma Dauda in Sierra Leone agrees Eto is among the best, but not the number one. George Weyer is the best African player ever, says Duma, but Eto is certainly number two. And Emmanuel Andy Saidu in Nigeria believes yet another player should take the top accolade. Didier Drogba is the greatest in Africa, says Emmanuel. But Amat in the Gambia speaks for many this week when he says definitely Eto is the greatest with his perfect playing statistics. He's undoubtedly the greatest one so far. Mola Kinte, also in the Gambia, is another to reflect on Eto's long career. Yes, we've witnessed the retirement of an African great, says Mola. Obviously, he is the greatest African player of our era, although I didn't witness others like Roger Miller. So he'll definitely be missed as an African legend and even among the world's football legends. Thank you, Samuel, says Mola. Well, let's get some reaction from Cameroon itself now. Usman Mohamed in Yaoundé says, To me, Samuel Eto'o is the greatest African player of all time because he performed very well both in the continental level and on the world stage. Another fan in Cameroon is Bime Robertson. Eto'o was totally the best, says Bime. Note his ability to change from one league to another, from one club to another, and he was still at the top of his game. Not many will move from place to place and still perform like he did. He's the best of all time. And staying in Cameroon, Suleiman adds, I think Samuel Eto'o is the greatest African footballer of all time. He should have won the Ballon d'Or. He was the best and the rest of the African legends can fight for the second spot. And finally, here's Jemo, a Cameroonian living in the United States. Samuel Eto'o is definitely the greatest African player ever to play the beautiful game, says Jemo. He's won it all for both club and country, and also picked up individual awards. It was fun watching him, a true modern number nine, who can play in any position up front. He was also very consistent and a deadly finisher for a long time. I also admire his fight off the pitch against racism, and giving his time to other football development programmes. So congratulations on an excellent football career, and wishing him all the best in life. And Steve, I'd certainly echo that sentiment there. And now that Eto'o has retired, I wonder who's going to step into his boots and be as successful as he has been to such a consistent standard over as many years. Any thoughts on that, Steve? Well, um, who can get three UEFA Champions League titles for a start? Uh, maybe Mohamed Salah or Sadio Mane, perhaps. Uh, they've got one under their belt with Liverpool already. Uh, could either of them win the Africa Cup of Nations twice? Uh, well, more likely that Salah could do that with uh, Egypt. Uh, certainly uh, Senegal have never won the Nations Cup. Could Salah break that goal-scoring record at the Nations Cup and uh, go beyond 18 goals? Well, he'd need three or four good Nations Cups to do that, most likely. So... It's possible, but I really doubt it, to be honest. Interesting, too, that former Chelsea and Man United coach Jose Mourinho said this week that he believes Eto should have been crowned the world's best player at least once with the Ballon d'Or. So I think Eto will take a lot of beating there. 
Thanks a lot, Adrian. And now the group stage of the 2019-2020 UEFA Champions League got underway this week with some great games. A huge excitement in Tanzania as Tanzania captain Mbwana Samata became the first Tanzanian to score in the Champions League, although his side Genk of Belgium lost 6-2 to Red Bull Salzburg of Austria. But a massive achievement nonetheless. Uh, he's a great player, is Mbwana Samata. He's a striker. I remember he came here to Harare in 2015 Nations Cup qualifying. His exploits saw Tanzania win the tie. Algeria's Riyad Mahrez scored as Manchester City won 3-0 against Shakhtar Donetsk. A really good opening game for them. It's not looking good at all for Real Madrid this season with that 3-0 defeat to Paris Saint-Germain in Paris. Atletico Madrid coming back to draw 2-2 with Juventus in an exciting contest. And Barcelona drew 0-0 with Borussia Dortmund. In that contest, 16-year-old Ansu Fati played. And Fati also started last Saturday as Barcelona beat Valencia 5-2 in La Liga. Uh, Fatty had a goal and an assist on his debut start. He's a precocious young talent. He's from Guinea-Bissau, but Spain are after him and even think that he'll play for them at the Under-17 World Cup this year. Ephraim Tagu is our guest analyst this week, and uh, Ephraim Spain, I think, will probably get their way. Yes, he hasn't represented uh, his uh, home country, so Spain are in the running there. And when you've got the likes of uh, Gerard Piquet and Sergio Busquets, uh, Spanish internationals, senior players in that Barcelona team telling you about the beauty of playing for Spain, then it can sway his opinion. And it's happened before where you've got African talents choosing against playing for uh, their home countries. You've got uh, the example of Paul Pogba. His brothers decided to play for Guinea, but Paul Pogba, as we know, uh, plays for France. So I see a similar situation happening here with Ansu Fati and Spain tend to get their way. They got their way with Diego Costa, who's a Brazilian born but he plays for Spain and the way he's handling the pressure at the age of 16 is just incredible isn't it he's an absolutely fantastic left winger we know that uh, Lionel Messi is injured and he just uh, fit, fits in there hand in glove stuff and he's one player at 16 he's already breaking Lionel Messi's records scoring goals playing in the UEFA Champions League it doesn't get any bigger than that I think there's a lot more uh, to look forward to when it comes to Ansu Fati A name to watch out for, no doubt about that. Now, before we get to the English Premier League, uh, Neymar didn't play for Paris Saint-Germain on Wednesday in the Champions League because he was suspended. Uh, But he did have his first appearance of the season uh, in the League One and he was booed by his own fans throughout the game uh, as uh, they were 1-0 winners over Strasbourg. Well, how did Neymar respond to the booing? He got an injury time winner, uh, no ordinary goal. It was an overhead kick winner as well. Uh, But uh, how's this going to pan out? Is Neymar going to be booed by his own fans all season as he wanted to move away to go back to Barcelona? Unfortunately, Neymar is going to be booed all season, Steve. That is just his life now. Uh, Because bear in mind, this is a guy who cost a quarter of a billion dollars to bring in to Paris Saint-Germain. He was supposed to be the guy to bring in the Champions League title. He didn't do that. And worse of all, he publicly stated that his best game ever was the victory for Barcelona against PSG. And that just doesn't sit well with the fans. So... If he misses a chance, he misses a penalty, he loses possession in the middle of the park, he's going to get booed. Of course, he'll be cheered when he scores, but this season, he will be booed all season.
<laughs> it's going to be a tough one for Neymar. Well, let's go to the English Premier League. Chelsea-Liverpool is the big game on Sunday. Uh, Liverpool in a really good position there. Five points clear of their main rivals, Manchester City. Uh, this after five games. Um, you might say that it's early days, but a five-point lead is a big head start, isn't it? Ask any Liverpool fan around, ask Jürgen Klopp, ask any of those players. They will take a five-point lead this early in the season so that they can get a little bit of an advantage over Manchester City, whom, when they really get going, are difficult to beat. But not just that, Steve. Interestingly enough, things seem to be swaying in Liverpool's favour. You don't want to see players get hurt, but a couple of injuries at the back have seen Manchester City's team weakening at the back. You've got Laporte who got injured, and John Stones is now on that injury list, so they're very depleted at the back and I think if the odds are going to be made again at this very moment you take Liverpool to be favourites if they keep on winning games, then uh, obviously they're going to have uh, a massive, massive advantage with that uh, five-point lead over Manchester City. Uh, frustrating for Arsenal fans as Watford came back to draw 2-2 last Sunday. Uh, but Gunner striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of Gabon continued with his goal scoring, getting both uh, goals there. Uh, we don't perhaps uh, hear enough about uh, his achievements there, but uh, he's given Arsenal an amazing return so far. Uh, the stats are the stats, Steve. You cannot argue about the uh, Gabonese international. He's the, if you look at the stats, most goals in the Premier League since Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's debut in February 2018. Mohamed Salah leads the way on 39. No surprise there. But Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is on 37. And Sergio Aguero makes up the top three on 32 uh, goals. And notice the strikers that are not on this list. So many of them. Harry Kane, not on this list. But we don't hear much about Aubameyang. Maybe because Arsenal don't challenge for titles. I, I guess that's one of those reasons. And you look at Aubameyang's contribution last season, winning the Golden Boot along with Mohamed Salah of Egypt and Sadio Mane of Senegal. It just shows you the quality that he has and he continues to score these goals. And if Arsenal can tighten at the back, they can become real contenders. He's an elite striker, a world-class player who maybe he's not in the right team at the moment in terms of challenging for the title but individual stats suggest that he's right up there with the best banging in those goals there yeah and Arsenal this weekend are playing Aston Villa well thanks Ephraim that's it for this week from me Steve Vickers and from Ephraim Tagu here in Harare from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Adrian Barnard in the UK thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production